Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast, an educational and news podcast slash podcast for 501c3 charitable organizations that want to create better content, optimize their technology, and improve their marketing to better serve their mission. This is episode 17, which happens to be part of our second season, but we have some exciting 17s for you. I'll give you an example. A haiku has 17 syllables. I didn't know that. I had to look it up. There is something called a 17-year cicada, which is also called a horror movie and a nightmare. And at 17 and two days, just after I got my license, I blew the motor on my car. Nick, cue the music for episode number 17. All right. I am joined by my two talented co-hosts who bring a wide range of experience our weekly show. First, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Matt Balo, our Chief Digital Officer. Matt, tell them who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Hi, and welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Matt Balo. I have a master's degree in marketing and MBA, and I've been in the marketing industry for over 20 years, focusing on digital. I've been a software engineer, a data scientist, and a global executive. My focus has always been data, digital, and strategy. So my goal here today is to leverage my deep knowledge of this business and this technology and bring that to these organizations who need it. I love it. He is really tight. Nick, now the bar has been set. As our Chief Information Officer, tell them who you are and what you do. I am Nick, your company's computer guy. My focus has been on technology for many, many, many years, more than I want to think about. And uh, yeah, try to bring uh, a tech spin to, to our conversations. Nick uh, underplays that he's our tech guy. He's also the creator of the website where this podcast lives. Nick, what's the name of the website that you created that houses this wonderful podcast? The website is 501c3lookup.org. That's where you can find 501 Companion Podcasts. Uh, As Buddy said, we're on season two. Um, And season one is there as well. Lots of episodes with lots of uh, informative content on marketing and getting your uh, nonprofit up to speed. That See that? And Nick's an entrepreneur. My name is Buddy Sclera, and I'm the host of this show. I'm your chief content officer. I'm all things content. And boy, I tell you, uh, the content of this show could not be more exciting. Um, but as part of our mission, our mission is here is to provide your organization with the information and inspiration to take your charitable mission to the next list, to the, the next level. Let's start the show. Easy for you to say. Yeah, was, yeah you can see. <laughs> You know, I'm going to pick on you first, Matt, because our first news topic, I'm going to read the first three headlines, and Nick's going to include these in the show notes. I'm going to read the first three headlines. I'm going to hand it over to Matt for first comment. So our news topic is donating with cryptocurrency. So uh, from Coinbase.com, which is a news site, uh, getting started, donating crypto to charity. The second is from FidelityCharitableOrg.org, donating Bitcoin to charity. And then the third, which is the most compelling headline, the downside of donating crypto to charities from the Coindesk. I, I actually, Coinbase is a place where you can buy crypto. Coindesk is a news site. But either way, three very compelling headlines. Matt, go lead us off with that conversation. 
Sure. So, um, look, the, the, these articles cover a wide array of topics. I think that last one, the downside, honestly, didn't have a lot of downside to it. It was really more about like kind of governmental control, donating to charities in a way that's not tracked in case it's something like WikiLeaks or something like that that you want to support or you you know don't want the recognition for the support, just want to give, et cetera, et cetera. But some of the other articles actually do cover things like, you know, how do some websites like give.org and the pineapple fund and these other things, how do they actually accept crypto? And what are some good reasons you may want to consider using crypto to donate, number one? And number two, if you are a charitable organization, why you may want to consider accepting crypto as a form of currency? And then if we really want to get into it, I'm going to cover the last little bit, which is some of these organizations are spinning up their own coins. And maybe we can talk about that, what that means. So uh, where do you want to start? Well, I, first, I think I want to start by explaining just very briefly uh, that for uh, many people, cryptocurrency continues to be a very mysterious um, yeah. money or lack thereof. Mm. Uh, but it is an exchange of value. And you know, Bitcoin uh, made the headlines this year. And Dogecoin made headlines, and Ethereum made headlines. <laughs> made um, but, yeah, but uh, you know, really, uh, at, at the core, it's just an exchange of value. Now, the key thing to keep in mind is that I don't want to make rash generalizations here, but it tends to skew to uh, people who are very geeky and or technical, uh, and tend to be a little on the younger side, right? They they are more willing to use virtual currency uh, because they've sort of grown up with it. Uh, and it's not, again, it's not a, it's not cut in stone, but that's just sort of where it skews to. And of course, um, with that in mind, this exploded in value over the last year, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of charities started being the beneficiaries of a currency that they truly didn't understand. Sure. Uh, and it was hard for them to understand how this thing that they could not hold in their hands could possibly have any store of value. And, and yet when a single Bitcoin passed $60,000 recently, it's now back to $30,000, literally in a 30-day span. Yeah. You can see how fortunes rise and fall. Um, Nick, when you think about cryptocurrency and how charities need to think about cryptocurrency, uh, what comes to your mind? You, you, or just address one of the articles that we're discussing here. Well, I mean, for me, it's still bleeding edge, you know, and I, I – now I have to say I'm not uh, I'm not any kind of uh, investor or related to Coinbase other than being uh, it was the first company I tried out to buy my own uh, crypto this year earlier in the year um, doubled my money which was fantastic for the short time unfortunately for like an hour for like an hour and right. <laughs> halved it later. Uh, yeah, anyway, it. it came it came back down to earth. I did you know what it is bleeding edge. It's it's definitely new. Um, but, you know, it, it is attractive. You know, one of the things that concerned me was um, whether or not um, a donation to charities, to nonprofits would be a burden on the nonprofits, because now they've got to do uh, yet another thing or another step uh, to try and try and collect their money. But the upside could potentially, you know, let's say somebody did get Bitcoin and now it goes back up to 60 or 90 or 120. You know, yeah. a year from now, two years from now, 
Uh, I, I don't think anybody, any of them would say, no, I don't want it. You know, <laughs> I'm sure they'd uh, appreciate it. So uh, it's bleeding edge for sure, but definitely uh, in the future, I, I think. Yeah, I think it. I think there's a marketing angle to it because uh, we were uh, also noticing that certain organizations quite literally threw a flag out and said we accept cryptocurrency. Uh, but then I went to their websites and and some of them actually didn't, or they didn't actually have a mechanism uh, like a digital wallet, which didn't make it easy. Um, and I think it. I think it's. I think you're right, Nick. I think it could be a burden. That is, the, you know, crypto, there's thousands of them now. We name three, but there's literally thousands of them. And, you know, there are some good stores of value, but the vast overwhelming majority aren't worth anything. Yeah. Right. And I think it, I think it is a little bit like social media was a couple of years ago. Matt, you remember this. We would be in marketing conversations where we would spend in an hour meeting 40 minutes talking about Twitter, which would quite literally be, I don't know, one-tenth of the complete campaign. But it did dominate mindshare. And what, what I was noticing, even as I was putting this together, I was like, it is on my mind. Yeah in part because it's in the zeitgeist, but it doesn't necessarily mean that is important or relevant for charities. Matt, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, first, I think there could be a little bit of demystification of cryptocurrencies. You know, right now, sites like PayPal, you know, do allow you to build a, a digital wallet and take your currency, your U.S. cash, your money, and buy a cryptocurrency and hold it in your digital PayPal wallet. You know, so there is, I think, you know, we mentioned like Coinbase and stuff like that. We know years ago, there was this element of, I'm not sure what this is. Are these hackers trying to steal my money? Like, what is this thing? You know, and then the other piece of it was, you know, in order to and even still, in order to buy, it's not like you put it on a credit card. You had to like link a bank account or a debit card or something. You're like, this is a little bit scary, you know. So there's there was this element of maybe this isn't for me. There were some you know too many barriers, but now with stuff like PayPal, you can do it. And then understanding what a cryptocurrency is itself. I mean, we could really get into the hard knocks of blockchain, but we, I don't think we need to. I think what you really just need to understand is it's a currency. You know, it's not a fiat currency. It's not owned by any kind of government or controlled in any, you know, by any council or committee, but it is a currency, you know, as easy as I can with, uh, I can buy um, rubles or yen or any form of currency you can buy a Bitcoin or Ethereum or Dogecoin or any of these other things. And so if you want to simplify it, just think about it as literally me buying a Canadian dollar, right? You know, there's an exchange rate. And when you want to sell that Canadian dollar, there's an ex another exchange rate. And that's it. And that exchange rate fluctuates. Now, the thing with cryptocurrency is it fluctuates a lot, right? But that said, there are a lot of benefits to it, right? So you mentioned the marketing side of it. There are a lot of benefits. I don't know if I go on marketing, I would call it maybe ease or, or meeting the need of, you know, one of these customer profiles we've talked about, you know, and if you want to accept cryptocurrency, you know, it's important to note that just much like an investment or any kind of arbitrage or stocks or anything like that, when somebody does that exchange rate, they pay taxes. Right. That's the big thing about it. Right. You pay taxes on the exchange, on your profits. OK, 
Well, do you want, as a charitable organization, the full value of the Bitcoin or the Ethereum, or do you want the value after it's been exchanged for a U.S. dollar and taxed? Mm. Right. And that's the big thing with a lot of this is if you accept the Bitcoin, number one, not a lot of people have a place to spend this stuff right now. They really buy it as an investment and then can't buy a pizza with it. You know, got a million dollars in Bitcoin and I can't get a Starbucks. You know, it's that kind of thing. And so the idea is you give it an outlet, somebody has this money, they may just leave it sitting there, they may have just had a windfall, and, and that's they're where feeling I, yeah. generous. And, and I'm that, going to hand that off to you, go. You, yeah, you that, that's an area where I think is really interesting, because Bitcoin was worth zero until somebody said it was worth a dollar, until someone said it was worth $10. And it was an arbitrary thing, but the community agreed that, okay, we're not going to trade this for less than $100. Well, so it was Tesla, right? I mean, Right, right. Tesla is, Tesla's valuation far exceeds what its actual profits are. So it is a... It's a feeling that people have about Tesla. One of the things that made Bitcoin was the blockchain, uh, the ability to be anonymous. Now, if you imagine that you were a gamer and you bought a uh, hundred bitcoins for a dollar each ten years ago, and now you have that hundred bitcoins and they're sixty thousand dollars each. Matt, what's the math? What's the math on that? A hundred times sixty thousand hundred. 60,100. So I think, yeah, but you know, here's the thing, you know, now you've got a bunch, a store of money and there are a lot of people who were early adopters who had this store of money that if they were to release it, they would get taxed on it, right? They would change their tax bracket and their status. And there were people looking for ways to move this. I mean, it was like a windfall, right? You invested $100,000 and now it turned into $600,000 or even more. You know, there is a motivation by some people to give back. We give back. We give of our time. Nick gives of his code. We we give back because this is something that is a, uh, a value in our value system. Now you've had a windfall of money and maybe you do want to share it. And my my radar goes up when I think there is an opportunity for someone who may have gotten some money that wants to transfer it anonymously to a charity in a way that they just say, I want to do some good and I don't want to I don't want to take credit. I don't want to do anything like that. I'm going to give you a quick aside. Um, a former colleague of mine, um, you guys know I used to work in the comic book business, had quite a large comic book collection and said to me, I, I don't want them anymore. Do you want them? And I said, sure. And he said, all I ask is that you donate some to this one charity and you pick the charity. And I said, you want it to be in your name? He said, no, 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 I want it to be anonymous. So he's basically asked me to take his comics somehow turn them into money and somehow get them into a charity without his name being attached to it. He just wants to be completely anonymous. And I think there are certain people in this world that are not looking for celebrity. They're not looking for the blue check mark on Twitter. They just want to go and contribute to the things that they value. Do do you guys, does that resonate with you in terms of how that, that can be a benefit to the crypto holder as well, who just feels like I didn't, I have to work hard. I I got lucky. Do you remember the show when we covered Wall Street bets? Yes. Remember, remember what followed Wall Street's bets? Yeah. The gorillas. Yeah. 
right? I mean, so it's like, it's not just wealthy people getting wealthier in things like these crazy cryptocurrencies. And like you said, there's a hundred of them. Some are worth one one millionth of a cent and they go up to one one hundred thousandth of a cent. And that is a windfall, right? You know, so you see these crypto millionaires or even hundred thousand errors or even thousand errors and they feel good, they feel lucky, and they want to give something back, and they have this thing. And so maybe, yeah, I mean, that's what we saw in Wall Street Bets. We saw people who just made a whole bunch of money in, on, on, you know, one of these <clears throat> stocks and uh, said, you know, I'm good. I'm going to donate that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. If, if, you, if you've broken a million dollars, donating a thousand doesn't feel like a lot, you know? Yeah. So I think that there are opportunities. Now, um, there was a website that I had found that listed certain charities that said that they accepted cryptocurrencies, and we'll include these in the show notes. Um, I was a little concerned, though, because I felt like as somebody who holds some crypto, not a lot, I have, you know, like like you guys, just dabbled in it through PayPal and through coin. uh, Playing around to understand it. Playing around to understand it, just trying to see what's going on. You know, I got in like you guys way too late. It's not like we could, you know, it was already at like 50,000 when I was starting to play. And now I've literally lost money. Um, but I, I would I would venture to say that it would be good if there were an easy way for me to make that contribution. And I don't I didn't see an easy path for that. I, it still felt like you know, standard way and you'd have to know my name and yeah, not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants their name out there. They just want to make the contribution and just go on with their lives. And I, I just felt like there is an opportunity in the marketplace to make this easier. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just like we see in any organization where we're called into, and we've all been together in these in these calls where they say, "Here's this thing. You know, what should we do about it? What do you think the opportunity is?" And the the answer, in so many cases, is it depends. And the reason it depends is because what state of the organization are you in? Is this the business you want to be in? How much resources do you want to put to? What do you think you can get out of it? So, for instance, if you're a, a charitable organization who's just starting up. You know, it would be more of a recommendation to be a digital first organization. That's right. Right. And this could be something that you could base on, you know, like give crypto.org, you know, something like this that is started for this reason that you can, you know, make it easy, make it market on this. This is your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you are an established organization, um, and maybe don't have a ton of resources to focus and understand the complexities. Maybe it's not for you because there's not necessarily something out there to make, as you said, to make this easy uh, quite yet. But there are other things you can put your PayPal donation button on, you know, things like that, where you can add or Amazon donation buttons on your site and your Instagram and your Facebook, you know, and there's other digital ways you can go. But, you know, then if you're a large charitable organization, maybe you do have the resource to understand this and to build out this wallet and to, you know, shepherd these transactions and things like that. So the answer is, you know, what's the opportunity? It depends. It depends what's right for you, what's right for your organization. You know, is this something that, you know, you have the wherewithal to focus on, to look at, to understand the capabilities, background, friends, colleagues to focus on. So, it's it's really interesting but as you said it's it depends (laughs) 
It, it does depend. And, and before we go on to the next section, uh, which I think Nick will be leading, I think it is worth noting that every organization has a board and every board has an extended group of members. Uh, I would encourage the boards and those members to see if the, anybody in their community is willing to volunteer some knowledge. Yeah. It could just be people like us where they reach out and they just say, hey, can you talk to us about what we should do? And then they look at your website and they right. give you some advice. I think being ready is better than not being ready. And it's just, yeah. you know. I think understanding is better than not understanding. I'm I'm always for an informed decision. And that doesn't mean always saying yes and always going for it. You know, we've, that's we've right. run, you know, and I've run, as you know, for years, innovation teams and innovation labs. And when it comes to things like this with organization and innovation, you know, there's not always a profit behind it. There's always, you know, it may be something to drive you forward, something for future investment, something like this, but always, always you're learning. That's right. right? You know, always you're, you're figuring something out and you may learn and you then may make an informed choice whether or not this is right for you. And that's what I always recommend. Yeah. So reach out to your board, your extended community, even reach out to us. We are happy to help orgs. Uh, yes. This is why we do this. Um, speaking of what we do and innovation, I can't help but draw the spotlight on the man in the private jet tonight, <laughs> Nick Rufa. Uh, for those of you just listening on audio, uh, we have backgrounds and Nick's background is of a private jet. He claimed to be an internet millionaire. And and Nick has, uh, and Matt has a background of cryptocurrencies. I am jealous of their virtual backgrounds. They they won tonight. The big, yeah, the they won the night. Battle. They won the battle. But, you know, one of the things that we thought would be useful to do, Nick, is to help people to get a better understanding of what 501c3lookup.org does. Uh, it is a free resource that you created, and it is where we host this podcast. It might sound a little self-serving, but, you know, this is the podcast. The website is truly a, a monster that that you've created. Can you just talk about what the website does and then how you came to develop it? and pull all these data sources together? Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's, again, 501c3lookup.org. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and what we do is take uh, the IRS published data that that uh, lists just about every nonprofit organization, uh, 501c3, uh, in the United States, and we kind of mash it up uh, with – uh, a few different data sources that the IRS also provides. So they've got a master file, they've got postcard data with 990s, form 990s, if you're familiar, all the forms that uh, nonprofits are required, to, most nonprofits are required to fill out every year. But there's different pieces of data in all those uh, database files. So what we do is we take all the files, we combine them, and we made it easy to search. So if you were to go to the IRS site, especially years ago when he started it, uh, we started about 2013 or so, um, it was very difficult to search and you can't do a lot of sorting and filtering. Um, and that's kind of where the idea came from. I was actually trying to help a nonprofit and I was trying to get them promoted. And, you know, I learned a lot at the time and I realized that the, you know, this data was available and it wasn't easy to find. Yeah. So I put it all together. Um, I've evolved it over the few, you know, over the years since, 
And yeah, at this point, we list uh, you know over two million nonprofits that are active or uh, not active anymore. And I note that if they're not. Um, and yeah, again, the idea is to yeah. I mean, often I, I get you know help emails to say you know please you know please uh, list my site. So nonprofits that are just just you know trying to take off. Uh, there's a delay right now with COVID because the uh, I guess the IRS is behind. But if you file to become a nonprofit, yeah. uh, according to IRS rules, as I understand them, you can promote yourself as a nonprofit. But you really are supposed to be going through the, the channels. But now, Nick, to- how, much, how much does uh, all of the wonderful <laughs> data sorting and organization cost people to use and on your website? To use the website, it costs nothing. It's free to use. How do, you really afford that air- how do you afford that private jet, Nick? Was it just all cryptocurrency investment? All crypto. Yeah, as if, right? dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, Nick, it's an, it's an amazing resource. And I think, um, uh, Matt, you, you actually turned me on to it. I mean, I, I wasn't even aware that Nick was doing this. What was your first re- response when you saw what he'd pulled together? Oh, I think it's a great resource uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, it. I I use this specific site, 501c3lookup.org, a lot. Um, when I know there are other ones out there, like your charity navigators and things and your bigger, you know, more well-funded things out there. But what I find about what Nick does that I like is number one, he processes the information right away. As he said, you know, the government may be running behind right now in their data processing because of COVID, but as soon as this data drops, Nick has it in like that week, which is always, you know, fantastic. And so it's always up to date. Number one, number two, he keeps a history. Number three, um, the information in there is when I say it's up to date, it's not just up to date. I mean, also complete. Like when I go to a website, like they may have a spin that they try and differentiate themselves on the data that requires some level of effort. And, you know, part of the reason that I like what we do here is because what they do is they're always going to start their effort on the largest charities, you know, whether it's analyzing the document and giving you some rating or whether it's going to be, you know, taking that information and putting it in some form and, and, and telling you about it and what they need to, you know, all of these things, they're great services. Don't get me wrong, but they always start at the big ones that everybody looks at and work their way down. But that's not where I live. Right. That's not the people that I work with. That's not my neighbor who runs a charitable organization for cancer. That's not my other neighbor who runs a charitable organization for soccer. That's not my aunt who runs a charitable organization for women with cancer. That's, you know, this there's so many small charities that don't get serviced because they never get to it with that kind of offering. And so what I really like about this is I can always find what I'm looking for. It's there, it's the same, if they're big, if they're small, the information is there, it's available, and I know it's reliably gonna be there. And that's one of the things that I really like about this. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, really knocks me out is, um, you know, you, you can Google something and get an answer yeah. or, you know, modify your keywords. And a lot of people don't realize there are hundreds of search engines. You know, this is just a search engine that organizes a subset of data exceedingly well. And I think what's interesting is, um, yeah, 
you know, you have a charity navigator, but it, it, it works off of the different models. Which I don't want to put on yeah, and it's a charity completely navigator. Different model. They do a great yeah. job, but we know Matt, and Matt's great. You yeah. know. It's a different model. What Nick does uh, by mashing up multiple data sources is it really serves the needs of people who are trying to find rich information, not just a single result, you know, charities for dogs in this area. That It's more than yes. that. What it does is it, it has this view and it gives you, a, I dare say, Nick, a perspective. Because I think what you do with your work is you create perspective. And I think uh, it is amazing that, that it's a it's a free resource that you provide. And um, I think people, if they knew about the resource, they'd be really excited to go try it out. I mean, I, I agree. It, it, not even if you're just a charitable organization. If you're a charitable organization, go on there see what information is indexing and what fields are blank, because I don't think people realize the importance of filling out these 990s, of making sure the information is complete, of making sure that the names are on there, make sure your website's on there, because all of this contributes to your rankings all over the place. And those rankings are what contributes to what people think of you, whether or not they think you're reliable. So like, just go there and check out to see if your information is complete, if you are a charitable organization. And if you're not, do like what I do, type in your town name, See what's around. Yeah. See what people are doing. Yeah. And like, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize it was that. And you could they have the subcategories of the type of charity, educational, athletic, you know, all these different types of charities are in there, these subcategories, size, income ratings, all these different areas. Nick's indexed in there. And you can really find local charitable organizations that like, oh, I didn't even realize. Hey, Nick, what what we didn't talk about this ahead of time. What aha did you have when you were pulling all of this data together? Like, you know, as you were doing this work, you know, one of the aha moments I had was, you know, you, you start to you build something. You think people are going to use it a certain way for a certain purpose. And, um, you know, Matt, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, look up at your neighborhood. Um I think it was being used as a research tool by various different companies, even the government itself. That was an aha moment. When I looked at the, 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 the data, the analytics, I realized that, you know, the federal government themselves was using the site, you know, so because Washington, D.C. and a lot of the, the uh, either, you know, NGOs, non-governmental organizations and governmental organizations alike were using the site to, because it was probably – much better than the, the IRS site. <laughs> because they had the data. So, yeah, it was all good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that was interesting was that, you know, and this, this goes to what you were saying, Matt, you can use it also to help you as a nonprofit raise money because you can find the bigger fish and they sometimes will trickle down that funding to smaller organizations. So mm. we don't want to ever knock the big organizations because a lot of the funding the small organizations get are from those larger organizations. So yeah. it could help for fundraising as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or find a partner, find sure. something Synergy. similar, Talk find another Synergy. organization, you know, near you that does something similar. Yeah. <laughs> Say, Hey, you want to get together and do something together? Maybe we can pool resources and have a pet adoption day. If we can get 12 charities together, you know, yeah. something like that. I mean, it's, you can really do a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, one last bit about the site. One of the things that I thought was kind of neat, Nick, was uh, you aggregate certain news headlines. And it's a it's, it's just a useful page. You know, I bookmark it. it. Just 
nice to be able to organize. Uh, used to have the uh, Google used to have those uh, feeds, right? I love they Google were super reader, convenient. Right? Yeah, reader? yeah, reader. They, it was probably too good. It was too good. So you know, this you, is always, very... you can always tell when they're about to sunset because you really start to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I think um, anybody who's interested in this space, and obviously anybody that's made it this far into the podcast is clearly interested. Uh, definitely, please check out 501c3lookup.org. Uh, you'll find this podcast and all of our show notes and links. Um, speaking of where they can find things, uh, Matt, where can they find this podcast and how can they subscribe on their favorite podcatcher? Well, uh, the, the video side, we have our YouTube channel for 501 Companion. Uh, and then you can also find the videos by going to the 501c3lookup.org website and clicking on 501 Companion Podcast. Perfect. I'm sure everybody is furiously typing that right now. In the meantime... Oh, wait, they- why don't we give them a second? <laughs> yeah. Nick didn't Nick didn't choose an easy name. There's numbers and letters in there. Um, where can they find you, Matt? Uh, I know that you're big on LinkedIn. You're you're an influencer there, right? Yeah, I mean the best thing to do is go to my website, Matthew Balo, B-A-L-O-G-H dot com. Uh, and everything is linked from there. LinkedIn, Twitter, blog, various blogs that you know we've worked on, things like that. And Nick, where can they find you in real life? Sure, you can find IRL. In real life on Twitter at Nick underscore Rufa. LinkedIn as well. IRL, that's not IRL. They're going to come to your house, Nick. That's the opposite of IRL. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that that is IRL now. IRL Uh, is he's on a private jet. That's right. Uh, And my name is Buddy Scalera, and you can find me in all places at Buddy Scalera, uh, both my website and LinkedIn. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this 501 Companion podcast and consider subscribing off our website so you never miss an episode. (laughs) If you have any questions, show ideas, or part of a charitable organization that wants to be on the show, because we do have guests, visit the 501c3lookup.org website. You'll find our contact information and a complete list of our previous episodes. And of course, the extensive and free resources of the 501c3lookup.org website. Thank you for joining us on the 501 Companion Podcast. We hope you join us again next week. And we're out. <laughs>